Even though the events of 9-11 took place long ago, most of us can still recall them like it was yesterday. Some, more than others, are still feeling the effects and the pain. On this day, we remember all those who lost their lives and their loved ones to this terrible tragedy. We lift up their families and their friends and ask for strength, peace, and comfort. We also remember and honor those heroes who stepped in to help, to save, to serve. And we will never forget those who gave their lives for the noble cause of rescuing others. We are forever grateful and pray blessing and comfort over their families. We pray for the spirit of unity to revisit our nation. The unity we felt in the midst of our struggles and our confusion. We pray that our citizens would look to God for wisdom and guidance, just as many did during that time of uncertainty. But most of all, we pray for the swift return of our Savior, who will one day put an end to all tragedies and to all tears. We love you. And we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. people who don't know Jesus make it during difficult times without him. Because uh, I, I remind people all the time, the Bible says that, that we mourn, Christians mourn when, when stuff like this happens, but we mourn with hope. And, and without hope, I don't, I don't know how you get through things. Uh, I, I want to say again, thank you all for being here last week. So two times in the last five weeks, we could not have fit everybody in the second service if you all hadn't come to the early service. So thank you again for, for sacrifice. Some of you like sacrifice. I get out of church at 1030 and, and the rest of you suckers are still here. Yeah, well, thank you. Any, regardless of your motivation for coming to the early service, thank you for that. Uh, today, I'm going to I'm gonna give you... <laughs> kind of the ending of the the yes no series and then it's kind of a bridge into our next series which is destinations but i'm gonna start today with a proverb proverbs 28 26 says this those who trust in the lord are what this is crowd participation those who trust in the lord or trust in themselves are what fools all right but those um now i lost my place but those who walk in wisdom are what kept safe. How many of you want to be called a fool? No one. How many of you want to be kept safe? All right. The book of Proverbs is for you. And actually this next uh, series destinations is for you as well. See the book of Proverbs is not so much about knowing wisdom. It's about doing wisdom and, and it's about applying God's principles, biblical principles to your life. And so the book of Proverbs, this wisdom idea, biblical wisdom is both harder and easier than you think. It's harder than you think because wisdom is not just knowing it here. It's choosing. It's deciding to do the right thing. There you go. It's that first slide should be. There you go. Keep going. There you go. All right. Easier because the power to do wisdom or the power to have wisdom comes from the God who loves you. The God who who would rather die for you than live without you. So, all right, let's read this verse again. Those who trust in themselves are what? Fools. Those who trust, uh, who walk in wisdom are what? kept safe. Now I want to show you a a very vivid example of someone who trusted in himself. It's okay to call him a fool. And, and he definitely was not kept safe. 
Now this comes from an archive I read years ago and I remembered it and I brought it back for this. So this is from February 3rd, 1990. It's in the, the state of Washington. This is from the dumb criminal file. Here's how dumb the criminal was. His target was H and J leather and firearms. And so it's a gun shop. The shop is full of a gun shop. What would you, what kind of customers would you expect to be inside a gun shop? People who carry or are buying guns. To get into H&J firearms, leather and firearms, he had to pass a marked police car. Not an unmarked car. Lights. It says police. It's right at the front door. He has to walk past it to go in the front door. Now, I don't know about you, but when I see a police car parked in front of a business, where and, and the policeman's not in the car, where do you expect him to be? Inside the business, he's leaning next to, he's leaning on the counter, drinking a cup of coffee before work, talking to the owner of the store. The criminal walks past the car, walks into the store. It's full of customers and a policeman. And he says, this is a stick up. And then he pulls his gun out and he fires some wild shots. Upon, at that moment, the policeman and the owner of this is, I'm not making this up, and the owner of the, the firearm store and the customers all pull their guns. And here, this, this is, uh, this actually comes from a, from something called, um, Darwin Awards. And here's the last phrase. A uniformed officer was, oh wait, wait I gotta read this to you because this is good. Um, the officer and the clerk promptly returned fire covered by several customers who also drew their guns, thereby removing the confused criminal from the gene pool. He's no longer with us. That's what that means. No one else was hurt. Now, one question comes to mind. Why? Who would be so stupid as to attack a gun shop with a policeman in the gun shop. I just don't understand. And so we can, we can be saying, was he thinking? We can scratch our heads. I mean, right? Don't y'all think this is stupid? How many think this was a stupid crime? Okay. Now, when you're thinking about him and going, what was he thinking? I want you to think about some things in your life. Cause I'm willing to bet there's at least one thing that you look back and you go, what was I thinking? How could I have been so dumb? Now it seems so clear that I shouldn't have been in that situation. Now looking back, I'm going, oh, I should not have been in that relationship, right? Most of you, now we've got some young folks in here, but most of you have um, the benefit of a few years experience. Some like John have more than others in the room. Um, he's got two months more experience than me, but I, I, I remind him of that often. I'm not the oldest guy in the band because John's there. That's why he gets to stay. Not really. Um, but you look around, John and I've talked about this. You look around at people younger than you and you see them making the same type of mistakes you made. And what do you do? If you're a caring individual, you go to them and you say, Hey, I've been through this. Don't do this. And they respond to you the same way you responded to people who said these things to you before. What do they say? But out. It's none of your business. You don't understand. I love him or I love her. And you're going, it doesn't matter. It's not worth it. And you walk away and you shake your head and you go, why won't they listen to me? You want to know the, the, the basic answer why they won't listen to you? People are stupid. Right? I mean, I, I, I'm not calling you stupid. I'm looking at my life and say, there are a series of stupid decisions I made based on faulty information. 
We make those, all of our choices on faulty information. We ask the wrong people, the wrong questions. And if you do that, you get the wrong answers and then you choose to do the wrong thing. Our lives are just this recipe for disaster, but it doesn't have to be that way. That's why we have churches is because we believe God's word offers a a better way. And I'm going to give you three verses today that can change your future. We can't do anything about your past. God can redeem your past. No matter what has happened, God can redeem that. And he can make you, he can help you connect with somebody else who, who has gone through something similar that you're going through. You can't change your past. God can redeem it. But we have the, the opportunity today to have a different future if we pay attention to the Bible, what the Bible says. So today we're going to look at a question that has a potential to foolproof your marriage. It has the potential to foolproof your dating life, um, your finances. It can foolproof every area that the scripture is kind of leaves gray and doesn't answer specifically. And I'm just going to, I have to warn you, even though this question could foolproof your future, some of you are going to resist. Why? Because we're just unwise. (laughs) We're not just always wise. We want to make dumb decisions. Now, if you want to continue making dumb decisions, then just tune me out for the next 30 minutes. If, however, you're tired of making dumb decisions and you think there must be a better way, then, then pay attention. And here's the verses. This comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. Paul is writing and he says, so be very careful how you live. Don't live like what? You're going to notice in every verse that I give you today, there's that word, fools. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity these days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now the question, and we call this, and I've I've used this before, we call this the best question ever, and it comes from these verses. The best question ever is this, what is the wise thing to do? That's an earth shattering question, right? How can this question help me? Well, To answer that first, let's back up. Let's figure out why Paul was writing this to the Ephesians. Ephesians is a letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in the, in the city of Ephesus. And, and it was written to a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. And let me tell you about the situation in, in Ephesus. Um, Paul says that they were living in evil days. Well, what does that mean? Well, when Paul first visited, um, Ephesus, he found a temple to the goddess Artemis. Now he, he comes across very religious people and, and that's not surprising, but, but what was special about the, the, the worship of Artemis. Well, it was famous because the work of the temple was supported by prostitution. They were just very open about it. In fact, in part of the worship service, you were supposed to have sex with a prostitute. That was part of the deal. So you can guess that the men of Ephesus were very religious, but they weren't coming for the preaching and the music, if you know what I mean, right? So Paul is writing these people who used to be a part of that group. They've now become Christians. Some of the Christians in, in Ephesus were tempted to go back to their old lifestyle. They were trying to mix immorality with morality and their lives were suffering for it. And so Paul says, be very, very careful how you live. Several years ago, um, six or seven years ago, uh, Jeff Gillis's daughter, Mandy, was, was over here at this RV park that's just north of, of our land over here. Y'all have all seen it as you, if you've gone towards Tyler. She was walking with her mom one night about dusk, and, and she wasn't walking in the grass or anything. She was walking on pavement, and she gets bit by a two-foot-long copperhead. Now, does anybody want to volunteer for that? Because what do you think happened to her foot? She's wearing sandals, flip-flops. I don't remember which one, but she, this was a horrible thing. 
And it took her weeks to get back to normal. And when she saw me, the first time I saw her, her eyes were kind of wild. And my kids would have been um, 15, 13, and, and 11 at that, or 10 at that time. And and she knows my family. She's very good friends with my kids. And she said, Doug, whatever you do, be very careful where you step because you do not want the consequences of a snake bite. You don't want what that snake has to offer, right? Do you understand what Mandy was saying? Be very careful where you step. It's the exact same warning that Paul gave the people in Ephesus. Be very careful what's going on in your life. In other words, you can't be careless and get on the right path. That's, you just don't do that. So the Bible says, don't live like fools, live like people who are wise. And so I have a question for you. When people look at your life, is that what they're saying about you? You're wise. You live wisely. You hang out with people who are wise. Is that what people are saying about you? Uh, probably not. Maybe some of you. Because see, here's the thing. Most people don't ask what is the wise thing to do before they make decisions. That's the, that's the best question ever, ever. What is the wise thing to do? Most people ask the most popular question ever. I've been hearing this question. I've been in ministry for 32 years now. This is the number one question I get. You ready for it? How far is too far? People don't ask, what is the wise thing to do? They ask, how far is too far? How can I, how far can I go without breaking the law? How close can I get to disaster without experiencing the consequences of that disaster? How far can I go without it being called sex? I got that all the time when I was a youth minister. How far can I go without having to get married? How far is too far? There's no law against it. Everyone else is doing it. It feels good. I'm not hurting anybody. How far can I go in my sex life? How far can I go in, in dating? How far can I go in, in, in my finances without it breaking the law? That's like saying, how close can I get to the copperhead without getting bit? Unwise people find out. Wise people don't. So God says, how far is too far? That's not the right question. Don't, don't ask, is there a, a verse against it? Instead ask, is it wise? Paul says that these people are to make the most of their time because the days are evil. And, and I just asked you earlier, are our days less evil? No, they're getting worse. The Ephesian culture, the Ephesus culture, the Ephesian culture was much like ours in that nobody was, was encouraging anybody else to do the wise thing. How often are you encouraged in our society to do the wise thing? No, you're encouraged to do whatever makes you feel good, whether it's buying a car or going on a vacation or or going to Vegas and everything that happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Like that makes it okay. See, Paul's saying, don't be foolish. And then he says, learn what God wants you to do. So that implies you can learn God's will. Every time I ask people, hey, how many of you want to know God's will? I've never had people say no. Everybody says, I want to know God's will. This verse says you can know it. But what it really means is learn what God wants you to do. What that really means is God has a plan for your life that's different from your plan. God has a standard for your life that's higher than your standard. God's standard is not how far is too far. God's, God's standard is, is it wise? He has a will and he wants you to learn to do that will. And some of you are thinking, this, this happens all the time. Some of you are thinking... I don't want to ask what is the wise thing to do because I already know the answer and I don't want to do it. So what does that say about you? If you know you're not doing what you should be doing, if you know you're doing what you shouldn't be doing and you just want to keep doing that, what does that say about you? Because let me give you a little bit of a, a little secret about Jesus in case you don't know this. He didn't come to dumb down the standards. He came to raise them. 
whether that's finances or, you know, Jesus, Jesus took, um, he said, he said, you've heard that it's said, heard that it's written. You should not commit adultery. Jesus said, if a man looks at a woman lustfully, he's committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus raised the standard. And, and if you don't want to follow God's standards, then your heart is hard and you have issues and, and hard hearted people make stupid decisions. Now, if you're willing to risk doing life differently than, than you've ever done before, then this question is for you. What my, my question is, what will it hurt to try something different? And I'm going to challenge you to ask this question in three levels. First level is, in light of my past, what is the wise thing to do? All right, so, so think this through with me. I'm going to give you several examples, and you can come up with more. In light of where I ended up the last time I made this decision... What is the wise thing to do? In light of what happened the last time I went there, the last time she invited me to her house, the last time I went to that bar, the last time I went and hung out with the guys, in light of those things, what is the wise thing for me to do today? If you're divorced, what is the wise thing for you to do? Is it wise to start dating immediately after you divorce? Is it wise to start dating before you're divorced? If you've been deeply in debt, is it wise to have a credit card? I know somebody that spent years getting out of $30,000 debt. They cut up their credit cards. Within a year, they were back in debt. Is that wise? No. If you, uh, if you're dating in light of your past relationships, is it wise for you to go out with a jerk? If you look at your life and you ask, why do all my relationships end up the same way? Well, I can tell you that the majority of the time, it's because they started the same way. You didn't ask what is the wise thing to do before you got into a relationship. You ask, what do I want to do? What, what makes me happy? If you struggle with drugs and alcohol, is it wise to be around that stuff? If you struggle with pornography, is it wise for you not to have some type of filter on your internet? Now, let me just mention Celebrate Recovery that happens on, on Monday nights. You know why you need to come to Celebrate Recovery if you have hurts, habits, or hangups? Because it's wise. Not because it's convenient. Not because it's fun. It's wise to get healthy God's way. Bible says, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another. Why? So that you may be healed. You want to get healed. If you want to be forgiven from sins, you confess it to God. That's first John one nine. But if you want to be healed from those sins, then you confess it to another believer. That's James chapter five. There needs to be at least one person who is a believer more mature than you that you can confess your sins to and they'll pray for you. And, and God says, that's when you begin to be healed. And I can't tell you how many times Janie and I were sitting uh, up here this week talking to someone, a young lady who opened up her heart and said, I've never told anybody this before. And while I'm sitting there, and in fact, when she finished, I said, now you've taken a step towards healing. I'm honored that you trusted Janie and me enough to tell us this. But even more important than that is God's going to begin to heal you because it's no longer a secret. Your secrets make you sick. You need somebody that you can talk to. So in light of your past, what is the wise thing for you to do today? Second level, in light of my current circumstances, what is the wise thing to do? So current reality, um, in light of the season of life that you're in right now, what's the th- the wise thing to do? Because there's a different, there's a difference in a season of life and a way of life. I was thinking back through this when, when Janie and I started new life, it was 14 years ago. So my kids were seven, five, and two. I'm at a different stage of life. I'm at a different season of life. I've got two kids in college, right? Well, actually Hannah's doing dual credit. So I've got three kids in college, but I'm only really paying for expensive college for a couple of them. Right. Uh, uh, TVCC, whoo, so much cheaper than SFA. 
or even Blinn or, or definitely A&M. So, so my, my point is we're at a different place. When, when we were back at, and starting new life, it was very, very difficult. We were very poor and, and we just played with our kids all the time because we had no money to do anything. A couple of years into it, Janie comes up with a new rule. So our kids at this time are, I think they were 10, 7, and, and uh, four. And Janie, all of a sudden she, she, she said to me, our kids can, can go to the bathroom by themselves. They can brush their teeth by themselves. And, and in a pinch, she'd already taught Caleb how to make macaroni and cheese. You know, if they were starving, go make some macaroni and cheese. So in a pinch, they could make their own dinner. And so I'll never forget. Janie holds up her hand. She goes, new rule. And she looks at her, at our kids and she goes, your friends must be able to go to the bathroom by themselves brush their teeth, and in a pinch, make their own dinner, or they can't come to my house because we're in a new season of life. Does that make sense? So when our kids were little, there were times Janie didn't come to church. Not because she didn't want to come to church, but, but because they were sick. If your children are sick, is it wise to go where other children are? No. Now we've got kids. I remember when, when Hannah started driving, our youngest is 16. She started driving. Janie all of a sudden found eight hours a week that she didn't have to drive Hannah to, to rehearsals and all these different things. She goes, I don't know what to do with myself. She started doing all kinds of crafts. She started going to the Y because she didn't have to go and sit in a parking lot. We're at a new season of life. So the question is, Where you are right now, the season of life that you're in, what is the wise thing to do? So let me ask you some questions. In light of your current financial situation, is it wise to buy a new car? Is it wise to go on a certain vacation based on your finances? In light of your status of your marriage, is it wise for you to be working your way up the ladder at work? In light of your relationship with your kids right now, is it wise for you to be away from home so much? Should you buy that new house? Should you open that credit card? Should you skip Financial Peace University again? Is that wise? See, never do you hear someone say, I waited too long to open up that credit card. If I had only gotten into debt sooner, my life would be complete. Never do you hear somebody say, you know, um, I didn't get married soon enough after my divorce. I should have gotten married immediately. You don't hear people say that. What you hear people say is, I should have waited. If I had waited, I wouldn't be in this mess that I'm in today. So look around, you say, in light of my current state of mind, my emotions, my relationships, my job, what is the wise thing to do? And in fact, this young lady that talked to Janie and me this week, she said, I'm kind of confused. I don't know what to do. And and I said, pay attention this Sunday. When you don't know what to do, go to God's word and go to people that you trust their counsel, that they'll point you towards God. And listen, because sometimes when you're in the middle of a situation, you cannot discern God's voice. He's not hiding it from you. You just got too many things coming in. You got to be still and listen to God. Third level, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? Part of the reason you're not where you want to be right now is because of choices you made in your past. Your own decisions have robbed you of the future you wanted. Your decisions in your past may have robbed your spouse of the, of the, their future hopes and dreams. So in light of where you want to be in five years, 10 years, 30 years, what is the wise thing for you to do today? We made a decision back in 2010 that we were going to get out of debt as a church. And so part of the, the whole building a great life series was we were going to get out of debt. We were able to pour this concrete out here um, and pay cash for it. We got cash in the bank for that. We've saved up for several years. We're about to, in the weeks ahead, we're going to put asphalt. It'll go from the end of the, the, the concrete out here all the way in front of the house. It'll go back almost all the way to that little shooting range that we've had back here when we did the, the CHL classes. It'll come back over here all the way where this retaining wall is. We're going to have... a, a 
an asphalt parking lot that we're going to be able to pay cash for because six years ago we said, what is the wise thing for us to do as a church in regards to our finances? We don't want to go into debt anymore. What is the wise thing to do? You see, your financial future is going to be determined by the decisions you make today. The health of your marriage tomorrow is going to be determined by the decisions that you make today. The relationships that you have with your children, that I have with my children, are going to be impacted by the decisions you make today. So don't feed me this line. Don't feed me this line that that um, I'm living a wise life while I'm ignoring all of these warning signs. Because I know you're, you're, you're living a lie. When you do that, because I hear stories all the time of parents' decisions years ago that impacted children, of children when they were 18, 19, 20 years old, making a decision that changed the direction of their life. And now they're still being hurt by decisions they made 10, 15, 20 years ago. In fact, I told a lady this week, I said, I said, I don't want you to be broken the rest of your life. You got to get this stuff out. John and I talk about this all the time. When there's a, when there's a wound, you've got to get that wound cleaned out. It's not pleasant, but if you leave bacteria, if you leave dirt, whatever in a wound and ignore it, does that make it get better? No, it makes it get worse. See, people ask all the time, how far is too far? And really the Bible doesn't tell us. So let me ask it this way. In light of what you want to tell your future spouse, teenagers, how far is too far? In light of how many sexual partners you want them to have before they find and marry you, how how far is too far? You see, you're going to bring every person you ever have sex with into your marriage. So how many partners do you want your future spouse to have? How far is too far then? It changes, doesn't it? Because you're thinking about your future hopes and dreams. None of us plan to mess up our lives. Nobody gets married planning to divorce. No one sets out to be bankrupt or have thousands of dollars in debt. No one plans to get pregnant at a young age. No one plans to become addicted to something, but we don't plan not to. So how do you plan not to become addicted or have these bad choices? Well, by asking the best question ever. In light of my past, in light of the present reality, the season of life that I'm in, And in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do right now? What is the wise thing for you to do? And I'm just going to challenge you to ask that question. Now back to Proverbs. If you want to know what the wise thing is to do, you cannot find that without God. Proverbs one, seven says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And it really means the reverence awe for God. You know, if you walk into a courtroom and you demand that the, the judge do what you want, what's going to happen to your, your, your little body? You're going to, you're going to go to jail because you didn't honor the judge. The reason many people are in trouble today is because they didn't honor God. We're going to talk about this more in the destination series, but if you honor God, the Bible says he will make your path straight. So we read earlier, those who trust themselves are a fool. But those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools, there's that word again, despise wisdom and instruction. Does anybody want to be wise? I mean, is that, is that what you want in the future? Just think, if you had asked this question 10 years ago, what, what would you have avoided 10 years ago? Just, ask, just think if you'd asked this five years ago in your finances, how much more money would you have today? What's the wise thing to do with my finances? If you'd asked this question three, three years ago, how, how would you be in a better situation today? We can't go back and change the past, but we can sure change our future if we'll start asking the question.
Bow your heads for just a moment. So I want you to, I want you just to ask God, where am I not being wise? Right now, just pray that silently. God, would you show me where I'm not being wise? And then would you say to God, this is, this has been my prayer for the past week. God, help me to obey you immediately when you show me what you want me to do. Father, I pray that you make the members of your body at new life into the wisest people they can be. That, that we'll, we'll do what Proverbs 3 says, we'll, we'll, Lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways we'll acknowledge you and then you can make our path straight. Teach us what wisdom is and then teach us to obey radical obedience because those are the people you value and those are the people you you trust and bless. We love you, God, and we thank you for opening our eyes. In the name of Jesus, amen.